Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad on Braves FC podcast, where we talk all things soccer in the DMV. My name is Jose Omaña, sports writer for the Sports Pulse, and joining me as always is my co-host Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'd like to make a major announcement. I am running for president of the United States. Uh, I'm running under the slogan, Make DC United Great Again. And I don't have any campaign promises. For anybody listening to Philadelphia, I am available for all inquiries as a sports writer. I do not uh, affiliate myself with this club or any regime that Mario plans to do moving forward. Any event, before we continue on your platform, Canada and why I will be leaving the city, uh, <laughs> let's speak. Let's speak about said club, uh, DC United, who currently sit in last place of the Eastern Conference, following a two-zero, <laughs> following a two-zero loss to the New England Revolution. Two goals in the final five minutes of regulation leaves United now winless in their final five matches, and as stated earlier, sit five points out of the final playoff spot and in last place. Before we continue further in the match, Mario, you attended the match. I was watching from home, uh, but you were at the match. Uh, tell us from your perspective, what were your thoughts on the overall match and also things that we weren't able to see on the broadcast? Uh, so, overall, the match was abysmal until about the last 20 minutes when New England got both goals. Uh, DC United was... They had some ideas on offense. They were able to execute. Uh, one of the few things that you didn't see in the broadcast, and we'll touch up about, about it a little more, was the uh, Matt Polster co- uh, concussion. Uh, like prior to halftime, was you see Jordi Reyna look, sees Polster on the ground, and just turns his head. Puts his head on yeah. the ground. Yeah, we saw the slow-mo and... The, the the accidental kick to the face, which caused the incident to occur, and it was an ugly scene all around. And and for what we know as of now, he's still he's doing okay. He was able to leave with the team and head to New England, following the match, um, and wish him the best. Um, Same. As, yeah, but overall, you know, from my perspective, and we'll get to a quick player reaction right now. I felt that there was a lot to be desired, especially after the performance in the first 45 minutes by the team. And they were a little better offensively compared to previous matches in the first 45. But it goes back to that saying of they can't score in the first half and then they're struggling to compete in the, in the second. So Here's Briand on his reaction and his thoughts on just the team overall now that they're in last place. For, for me, it's unacceptable to, to be here right now in the last position in this, uh, in this uh, conference with the team we have, with the quality uh, we have, is unacceptable. Yeah, you know, I think United came in this season highly touted as one of the teams to watch, and then injuries abounded. and. And it really showed here you really were lacking, in my opinion, just by watching the second half, just there was no there was no sense of urgency in the second half. Even with the addition of EYN in the match, 
there was just no sense of urgency offensively. And once they got tired out, that's where I feel like New England took advantage. I felt what Ben Olsen's comments afterwards, they got out-muscled, out-physicaled. I think they were also out-coached. I feel like Ben came in with the mentality of benching Grasso, giving Griffin Yao a chance, giving the young guy a chance. He's he's earned it little by little. But at the same time, you want to make your subs right. And I think if you're the flip-flop to maybe started with Grasso, who would have been more clinical and attack compared to Griffin Yao, I feel like that goal would have came, especially when you're bringing in someone like Jordi Reyna, who's not been around the team. He doesn't know probably much, probably just pays attention to the Western Conference, and he probably has never seen any of the chemistry that these guys have. And now you're adding him with Kamara. You're adding him with Griffin Yao, who's in and out of the lineup. It would have helped him in his game to have somebody more stable to the lineup there to help him out and guide him forward. Because Jordi Reyna played well, and it sucks that he played well. But, again, another good performance has to then be buried due to the loss. Right. I think Jordi Reyna was he was everywhere. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the way he played. The, the 60 minutes he was on the field, he was able to conduct the ball. He was able to create opportunities and spaces for other players to have clear chances at on attack that nobody really took advantage of. And he was able to bring New England defenders towards him and just create create single uh, simple opportunities to better to better position yourselves. But I think one of the one of the things that has me concerned with United right now it's just that the midfield the midfield itself with the in when it's a combination of everything the mid the injuries the players the players that are in and out of the starting lineup it kind of messes up the chemistry a little bit and you saw the chemistry wasn't there and not to be pessimistic or anything, you can't rely on 17-year-olds to bail you out on certain situations because they're 17-year-olds. They're still getting, they're still learning and getting their feet wet, as you say, as they say. And so, yeah, Griffin Yao had a pretty decent performance all around, all things considering. Moses Neiman was pretty, was pretty solid coming, playing in, in replacement of Russell Canales, but again, Bruce Arena was able to make those necessary changes. And the changes that came in are guys that are usually starting for him. Christian Pinilla, Adam Buxa. These were guys that were able to destroy you. And defensively, in the first goal especially, nobody had the decency of start of trying to mark man mark Gustavo Bo. Gustavo Bo had a clear shot at goal, and he just buried his opportunity. Well, on the second goal. Prior to it, they're yelling for a handball that kind of didn't exist at all. And while everybody in the midfield and on the on the one on the on the DC United on the New England end of the field were complaining to the referee, they never really paid attention to Christian Pinilla, who was able to run down clearly past the ball to Adam Buxa, and Buxa chipped Bill Hamid. First off, that was disrespectful to Bill Hamid, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. That Adam Buxa was able to just chip you like that. But the second part that's disrespectful about it is he was wide open. Where was the defense at that moment in time? They were all chasing the tying goal. And that's what happens when you surrender a goal in, under, in the final five minutes. You know, you bring up Christian Pania, 
he played really well coming off the bench, and he was really the spark. You know, he was the man that found Gustavo Bo outside the box, giving the ball, and then all Bo had to do was hit a perfect shot under through Briant's legs and past Bill Hamid. And then the Busca goal, it was Bonilla again restarting the attack on a on a two by two breakaway, and that's what happened. He brought his energy, his speed, and his presence forced United's two center backs to go at him. He finds Busca on the left wide open. He just has to hit the correct pass at the right time to catch Busca, where he all he has to do is one touch and a chip. Now, at post game, Bill Hamid made a comment on Twitter saying, I should have been better for my club tonight, and I will. Proud of my boys for their fight tonight. Look, I love Bill. I'm not here to criticize Bill, but he should have done better in terms of coming out. Um, I used to play goalkeeper, but I wasn't as great as Bill Hamid. But I know that when he came out for that that second goal, he timed his run a little too quickly. And that's what allowed him to get chipped. It's just what happened. He had his arms outstretched, yes. But he came out too quickly to the point where Busca had no problem at all chipping him. And if he's a true DC United fan, he knows that Jaime Moreno used to do that all the time. He draw the goalkeeper out really quickly to make that chip. And I felt like Bills had better days. Uh, he was off on that. He was off on the shot. Um, Gustavo Bob was always going to take that shot. It was just, was he going to be daring enough to put it in between uh, Breon's legs? Or if he was just going to try and curl it around him? Bill guessed it to see if it was going to be a curl, and you shouldn't guess at that moment. Always be prepared that they're just going to take a straight shot. And if you saw him, he was too flat-footed, and and he wasn't able to, to, to redirect his dive, and he just ended up just falling backwards because he got beat. And he's had better games. I don't know what his future is with the club. I You know, he didn't really answer uh, during his press availability where he had been the past couple of matches where he wasn't on the on the starting lineup or even on the bench you know maybe he did need a mental you know we all remember when Donovan took his mental break and we all accepted that but I do think that if Bill Bill next season if I'm the club I have to consider trying to test Bill he needs to be tested and you know not think that he's going to start every game and if he's tested we'll see better performances out of him. You know, prior to this, this winless streak, you know, he had been persona non grata, not at the club, and then the club was getting results. And he had to work his way back starting lineup. I, we need him to work his way back to starting lineup, and I think he needs more competition. And I just, you know, I didn't like his effort in those two shots. You know, normally he's really, really good, but... He was really off on Saturday. Everybody was off, but Bill was really off, and it's very noticeable when he's off. Right. I mean, it wasn't the typical Bill Hamid game that you would see where he would make, because nine times out of ten off of those that Gustavo Bo shot in particular, he makes that save. It's just he was off, and, and there's nothing more to it. One of my biggest uh, uh, focuses of this game, and I – We've touched on it before, but we've touched on it more on Ola Kamara than we have on a cl- on the club. It's just the lack of creation in the final third. You need to have that killer instinct. 
and, and it pretty much showed that what that whole discontinue discontinuation in the midfield without a proper sense of um that's the word I'm looking for a proper sense of continuation in the starting lineup it shows because not everybody not everybody played as a cohesive unit but in the final third I feel like they're more create they're more worried about creating the that special moment than just taking a one time shot and at those in those in- instances you don't have to be fancy just take the shot create that opportunity it didn't really uh connect uh, just as much as Jordi Reyna was able to create spaces for the players, they weren't able to create those chances. Ola Kamara, when he gets the ball, wants to create an extra, extra step in creating his own shot. He wants to make this look fancy. Sometimes fancy doesn't work. you got to keep it simple. Take a shot on goal if you have it. You don't need to take these extra steps. You're not Cristiano Ronaldo. You're not Leo Messi. Just take the shot. It's okay cave it doesn't totally necessarily end up the back of the net but at least you know you're creating opportunities i feel like he wants to take these extra steps to create his own opportunities and create his own shot when he when the shot's clearly already created by someone else but they don't finish and this isn't only just exclusively an ola kabara problem this has been an everybody problem because the lack of creation in the final third has been killing united in these last five games hell i may even say it It also killed them in the mls's back tournament so when it comes to creating your own shot they they just don't have it and it really frustrates me and i think it also frustrates the fan base because it shows that they're not able to create their own opportunity and, and it kills them at the end because I feel like there were several opportunities where you had a clear line shot at goal. You just didn't take it because you want to take that extra step. And sometimes that extra step is so unnecessary. Yeah, all yeah. I will say to that is the fact that Ola Kamara two weeks ago said this is the healthiest he has felt with the team this season. And it's been two matches now. Since he made those comments, he has zero goals, I believe like less than three shots, one of which is on target. So if this is what we're going to get with you as your healthiest, man, I might as well just not have you at all, <laughs> me personally. But, you know, I've been saying for the whole season that about Ola Kamara, but yeah, I do agree with you. The final third stuff is an issue. And now as we look forward, nine matches in the next month or so. Uh, as the league looks to wind down, United again, last place. What should we expect heading into these two matches this upcoming week? One in Atlanta on Saturday, against Atlanta United, excuse me, at home on Saturday and New York City FC on Tuesday. Uh, so I can't really answer it with a proper with a proper response, but I'll try. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> Look, when it comes to the Atlanta game, I want to say Ola Kamara isn't going to be in the starting lineup. But Ben Olsen's proven me wrong before. Uh, I, I expect them to try to have a little more fight. If you it means taking Ola Kamara off the lineup and starting a guy like Gelman Rivas, who we, we've seen 
can also create his own opportunities and he'll muscle people out of the ball. And you have Jordi Reyna as your creative your your creative source up top, then so be it. But I feel like now is the time. Maybe if Kevin Paredes is healthy, you start him or probably ease him way back or ease ease him back into the into the lineup. But you get Russell Canals and you get Julian Gressel. Julian Gressel has probably been marking this game this game in his calendar personally. He had you. I would say start Julian Gressel against Atlanta because he's going to be biting at the he's biting at the bit just to just to prove like, hey, maybe you made a mistake in trading me to DC. And I think this is one of those games where you're like, yeah, you're going to need Julian Gressel in the starting eleven along with Russell Canals. And I want to say play him more in the middle because I've been saying it all season. Julian Gressel down the wing doesn't sit right with me. And it hasn't necessarily worked all too well. Well, as the New York City FC game, uh, I want to say this game's on the road, no? I believe so. Uh, I expect a little more of a defensive uh, defensive type of performance. And also, it's one of those games where it's a catch-22 because historically, DC United hasn't done hasn't done so hot playing against New York City FC when New York City FC is at home. But I expect them to be a little more defensive with the, with the lineup. But who who knows at this point? Most definitely. We'll keep an eye on the Atlanta game, especially being that it is a home match. So we'll definitely keep an eye on all the comings with the black and red and see what goes on from there. Moving on to the other soccer team in the area is the Washington Spirit who went down one nothing midway through the second half but then substitute Crystal Thomas came in got an easy takeaway off of an erroneous back pass and was able to score the game tying goal in the 88th minute to help the Spirit earn a 1-1 draw that goal helps the Spirit move to 1-1-1 in the fall series puts them in third place overall in the NWSL standings with four points as they prepare to travel to New Jersey to face Sky Blue this Saturday in the final regional pod game. Let it be known, we do not know what happens after this game (laughs) in New Jersey, but I digress. Mario, before I get into uh, quotes and stuff that we got from Richie Burke after the game, you know, you were watching the game earlier. What were your thoughts on what you saw? Uh, so my thoughts, first 30 minutes, nothing to write home about, to be honest with you. But I will <laughs> I will give this uh, to Chicago. They were able to create good opportunities. And one of the thing, one of the biggest takeaways I have from the Washington spirit is they have this fight in them. They have this ne- uh, never say die attitude that I really appreciate when it comes to when it comes to their playing style. And it showed mostly in the second half. They were able to create really good opportunities prior to the goal, which I got to say, that was a horrible back pass. <laughs> I see Crystal Thomas right there. Like, that, that was bad. It, it was like, it, it was just like blindly passing the ball thinking, all right, there, there's no there's no way we can, we can absolutely screw this up. You lied. You played yourself, like DJ Khaled said. Uh and so they were able to take that opportunity and score. I mean, there were several opportunities for them to take the lead 
or to tie the game prior to the goal in the 88th minute. They just weren't able to capitalize. And I think the same thing with the Chicago Red Stars is they were able to use McCaskill to their, to their advantage. She, in the first game here at Segra, prior to her being ejected, she was giving the Spirits defense fits, and she did it again. And I also feel like Sarah Lubert as well was able to give Washington the all it could handle down, down the wing. And again, Sarah Lubert's the one that sets up the goal for Savannah McCaskill. And that that proves like they didn't have really have a proper answer. And Kalia Watt, again, she played excellent. She was able to create her own opportunities. But for the uh for the spirit, I think. Ashley Sanchez is out here showing out, and I truly appreciate it. And they were able to move the ball around a lot more freely, playing on a grass field. But yeah, the never-say-die attitude that this team demonstrates has helped them in the long run. And again, it showed again in this game, able to get a draw on the road, which isn't a bad result, all things considering. Yeah, this is a... Richie Burke talking about that attitude and at what moment they realized they needed to bounce back, especially after surrendering that goal. You know, it speaks to their character. It's great to see. You know, we've got some fantastic leaders on this this team and and they're, you know, die hard for this football club. So it's it's got a sense of pride that you watch them and they're fighting and they're battling to the end. Even, you know, when we stopped at a water break, you know, there was a definite mood that look, we're not done here. Let's get back in this. Let's try and fight and and our leaders step up to the plate and, and cajole and, and force others to do the job. So it's it's as a coach, it's very pleasing. It's very difficult to see you, your team, you know, late on in the match having put in a you know gargantuan effort and really put in a good shift and done a lot of good stuff to be down a goal when it's not really deserved. That's hard, you know, and you don't really want to be hammering your players who've, who've just done a fantastic job and you just got done by one little lapse. So when the things do bounce back and, and give them some something out of the match, you're pleased for them. That was Richie Burke on just overall how the spirit played. The first 30 minutes, it was a lot of back and forth. Both teams trying to feed each other out. But one of the things I noticed was what you mentioned was the McCaskill factor. Um, she was coming up and down the field, you know. She's supposed to play centrally, but she's out here playing on wings, uh, connecting with Watt. And I felt like if the first half was probably the best that I saw Washington mark her out of the match. I felt like they really did a good job in making sure that wherever McCaskill was running, she was well marked. And I, I, I terribly botched the question at the post-game press conference um, <laughs> on how the team handled McCaskill. And in Rich, and in when Richie's response was, you have to look back and look at the defensive effort of the first half, and I did, and and that was one of the things that I he was right about the, the effort in the first half to keep her out of the game, but it did, like you mentioned, left a lot of holes to be desired in terms of marking Kalia Watt, and I think that she had a great uh, game overall. Every time she touched the ball, you just as a spirit fan would probably worry about what she would do, whether she would cross, take shots. Mind you, she's never played a number nine until this season, according to uh, Chicago's uh, Red Stars head coach. So, 
Kamara, that's for sure. <laughs> she only has one goal so far, so she's still she's like she, they, she has the same strike rate as Ola Kamara. So <laughs> she, <laughs> so you know, for her to be learning a new position and excelling well, like there's still things that you know they could have done better, the Red Stars, but you got to give credit to credit to do. I think Washington really did well to limit McCaskill's influence, but. In the second half, McCaskill was just she came out with fire, and she got the goal right after the Luber pass. And it reminded me of the first game where Washington wasn't accounting for. And I know McCaskill has the body type of shape that you would think she's slow, but she's really fast and 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 deceptively fast. And I thought that Washington took that was a disadvantage in the first game. That luckily because of the red card they didn't have to deal with in the second half. But this time around, it did bite them in the butt. And I'm glad that at least in the first half, we saw what they can do when focused 100%. Like, okay, don't slip. Don't let her get past you. And like Richie said, they just had one slip up there where McCaskill outthought them and passed by. And so it was good that Crystal Thomas was able to come in. Ashley Hatch did not play for the second game. So, the uh, injury to her ankle is still not healing up. So hopefully heading into the sky blue where Washington is going to want to win. Or yes, they're representing DC scores in this weird community shield thing, whatever. But honestly, I think just it, it would be good to finish off whatever this series is with a victory on their belt to get back for that earlier loss which was, again, at the last minute. I'm getting annoyed of these last-minute goals with the Spirit. I like it, like you said, the cardiac kid kind of mentality. But, man, you get used to just seeing regular matches. I don't want to keep seeing these, this, <laughs> this heart attack era of matches. Look, I'm cool. I would love them to just give a 100% effort all the way through, and then they win. A decisive victory. I think they've done enough with their use as well as with the experience that they have on the roster. Bledsoe has really come up as a good leader in the back, as a captain as well. I would love them all to get a 100% all the way through good effort and not have to wait till the last minute to score. I think they have enough quality where they can score. And, on, and I think the biggest weakness too is and this is where Hatch plays, they've been ill-effective on set pieces. Yokihama, look, I don't know. They're trying. They're trying to put her in positions. They put her centrally this time, which made me happy, but I feel like she did very little to influence the match. And so hopefully they get her involved more. I would like Hatch back because set pieces are her specialty or at least was a growing specialty that they were allowing her to do. I don't know why Richie, it took him to midway through last season to realize, oh, she's tall. She could do headers. <laughs> Let's get the sender the ball. Like, that's a good idea. Like, Hatch got good header skills, and she's great off the corners. Like, I want to see her. If she's healthy, I would like to see her. And I and let's get some service to her, give her some opportunities on set pieces if she's not at 100% yet. It would be good to see that in the next match. 
Oh, absolutely. I would love for the spirit to actually put on a dominant performance in the nine in, for 90 minutes. I just have this weird suspicion. This is going to be how Richie Burke's going to play it from here on in is we're going to leave this to chance in the 90th minute. And weirdly enough, it's the bench, the bench players that are coming up big for the spirit. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see that trend going. Well, yeah, I think, I think that should just be just happiness all around. Like, remember, they came into this season wanting to build depth. That was one thing after last season, everybody young, missing a lot of pieces due to World Cup. They wanted to make sure they had depth, and they built a little bit of that. Then they brought in Ashley Sanchez. They refocused everything on Bledsoe. They brought Yoki Hama. They brought in... Uh, uh, several pieces over the offseason to add depth. Halstrom is a good one who came off the bench, gave a good defensive performance, and and was very very influential defensively. I, I again, I would I want them to see them do a full ninety. I, I think that they've they've earned that. I think yes, they're wonderful when they're when everything comes down to the line and they need to get a goal at the last minute. They're probably the best in the NWSL, in my opinion. But it would be nice to get them to just do a 90, just a complete 90 minutes. And it's a complete transfer from DC United. You just want them to score. The spirit scoring, but you want them to score throughout the match versus just sticking it in at the last minute. It feels like when you're studying an overnighter and then you realize, oh, I know this. And it's an hour before the test. And you're trying to cram in everything you know <laughs> at the right. final two minutes of the test before the bell rings. So that's what I feel with the spirit. Like they know what they gotta do. They just keep it just it just doesn't there's not enough urgency. So hopefully that we could see this urgency and throughout the match, especially against Sky Blue, who came in, ruined their Segret debut. It would be good to get some mini revenge as it is and I guess have a chance to win this weird supporter shield, community shield thing. I don't know. But I just want them, whatever this tournament ends up becoming, it's good for the future of the team. But I would like to see them pull off a full night. Right. I wonder if the uh, if the trophy is just the big old Verizon side. We shall see. I, 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 it may be an old dish satellite for all we know. <laughs> any in any event, um, we'll close off the show with COVID nineteen. No, we do not. Have it. <laughs> yeah, we do not have it, but it's infecting <laughs> soccer in our area, soccer locally, and soccer nationwide. It's for, real. For those who remember early on in the summer, the NWSL, we just talked about it. Lost uh, Rosa Val because she wanted more matches, and we're in this weird fall series with only four matches. She wants to play 20 to prepare herself for the Olympics, so we lost her to Manchester City. Um, we'll get to DC9 in a second, but the biggest news came out right after we dropped the podcast last week, and that is Loudoun United FC, who plays in the USL, second division. They had to announce that they had to cancel their final three matches of the 2020 season due to multiple players reported with COVID-19. They had already had a match the week prior postponed due to COVID-19 cases. Here's their statement. The decision made in consultation with the club's medical experts in the U.S. United Soccer League comes in response to multiple positives 
19 COVID-19 cases within our team. Our priority has always been the health and wellness of all individuals involved with Loudoun United, and we look forward to a successful 2021 season. Again, they only had three matches left in their remaining schedule, and they were 1-9-3, and three, so they weren't even in the playoff picture, so it doesn't really bother at all. Um, United have been reportedly taking a couple, will take a couple of players that did show well this season. Mario, what were your thoughts when you heard about the situation at Loudon and just basically ending their season three weeks before everybody else? Uh, so judging by the record, um, yeah, you should have ended this three weeks ago, but that's neither, neither here, here nor there. I mean, well, now, three well, weeks. now, but, yeah, you know, now. The season was effectively over. Yeah. For them. But no, I think they did the they made the right decision. You don't want I feel like I repeat this all the time. You don't want to infect anybody else because this disease is so contagious. So you're just taking all the necessary precautions by just saying, Hey, listen, we're just not gonna play for the rest of the season. We apologize. But like they said, the indiv- the health and the well and the wellness of all their individual players and staff is is first and it should be first. So I think they're taking a step in the right direction by just saying, hey, listen, playoffs or no playoffs, the well-being of our, of our team as a whole, front office staff, coaching, coaching staff and players alike is important and should be top priority over games. So I, I I applaud them for taking the for taking that direction and taking and taking that step by saying we'll just cancel the season. It doesn't really matter. I think that that the well being of everybody involved is more important at this moment than a few game than three games left in the season because again these are uncertain times and you ju- and this is one of those cases when we're in a pandemic like you can't really really give a timeline or an estimate of how the recovery is going to go. Yeah. And just to add to that, they were lucky. It didn't happen sooner. All the Loudoun United matches were, had fans in them. And yes, while they were probably sitting apart and sitting far, there could have been a situation where a fan and a player would have interacted or coaching staff or whoever. And they could have caught, you know, by accident, you know, uh, COVID-19 then. So, we don't know how it was caught. Right now, the team is only reporting that those who have positive have been put into isolation and have been taken care of by the, the team's medical staff, which is good. Um, I Obviously, I agree with you. If, you know, Health and safety is the most important thing. Uh, we'll get to where it's being deemed not to be that important um, in a second. But, you know... They're just. I, I think that all parties involved are happy that it at least happened to, no disrespect, but the last place team in that group, and be there was no critical games that they had left, and see that this happened now at the end of the mat at the end of the year, versus at the very beginning. You're seeing the NFL now, uh, trying to reschedule games here or there. For the situation with the Tennessee Titans that had a couple of COVID-19 cases. You're seeing college football where every day it's like a 
it's like a bingo board now. You just name out a university, and they probably rescheduled a game. Notre Dame just rescheduled a game. Like <laughs> Miami or whoever. You know, it's just it's just now the it's a toss up. Big Ten. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to that, so don't, let's not even get started there. Uh, but <laughs> I think I think that you the USL is probably thinking that lucky stars that this happened towards the tail end, but. I mean, look at MLS now. The Colorado Rapids, they had to reschedule a couple of matches because of their positive cases. So it's 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 very weird in terms of how people react to coronavirus. And I understand some people have different philosophies on what they think is the best way to remedy the situation. But I think with these athletes, when we do put, they go out there for our entertainment and enjoyment. But we have to remember they're humans too. They may commit a mistake here or there and end up getting contagious disease. Where that goes to further complicate things is currently in the next week and a half, we do have World Cup qualifiers in South America. And currently there are two DC United players that are being called up by Peru. That is Jordi Reyna, who just got here, and Edison (laughs) Flores, who, may I remind you, a month ago – got his face broken and had to get plastic surgery and he had a concussion. So he, and just to give an update on Flores, uh, his last press availability, Ben Olsen said Flores is still recovering. He's, he's out of the concussion protocol. So he's good on that front, but he's recovering from his broken face. Uh, I think it's just appropriate to say broken face because we haven't confirmed if it's a bone in his cheek or his nose or whatever. So he has a broken face. He had to have plastic surgery. When he comes back... Uh, Don't mean to cut you off there, but there is one more player you need to add to that list. Junior Moreno also got called up by Venezuela for these qualifiers. I'm glad you cut me off when I'm giving a Flores update, but yes, let's go Junior Flores and get called up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's three DC United players, but uh, just back to Flores real quickly. He has yet to practice with the team. And the reason this is concerning is, again, he has a broken face. He has a practice. He gets called up by Peru. Now, these players will go to their countries. I don't know if you guys have been following uh, the Copa Libertadores. They're like college soccer, right? Uh, college football right now, where they are rescheduling games left and right. They're not sure what to do because COVID-19 cases are everywhere in South America. But they're still strolling on because of TV contracts. And don't even get me started on this discussion. But essentially, they want to make sure they keep their money. They promised all these qualifiers. And they refused to change because of COVID. They're like, we're going to press on. And we're going to go forth. MLS, at the request of certain clubs. No clubs have been named, so we do not know. And the club did not elect to comment when asked at the, the post-game press conference at Sunday's match in New, against New England. They elected not to comment if they were one of the clubs who sent the letter, but reportedly, according to the New York Times, MLS for the cases of certain clubs sent letters to national federations, specifically in Comibol, asking that their players stay home. That is mainly because of COVID reasons. For example, in Washington, D.C., for example, if I were to leave and go to a, a state that's deemed not appropriate due to COVID concerns, I have to quarantine for 14 days in that state before I can come back. 
So imagine our three players, Junior Moreno, you got Edison Flores, and you got Jordy Reyna. Jordy just got here from Canada. <laughs> and then we we did we lose these guys. They go, they play these games, and then they come back. They will have to quarantine for 14 days. You're talking about losing these guys for upwards to 20 days. Like, that is crazy. I understand where Kumabo is coming from. They want to make sure they maintain their money. Hell, we just saw an MLS soccer tournament at Disney World. We're going through an NBA Finals being played in a gym in Disney World. All right? I I understand everybody wants their money. But I feel like Kumabo needs to be a little smarter in Peru, for freak's sake. I understand National team coaches do this. Well, I want to see his broken face. Dude, he's got a broken face. We saw the, the, the elbow he got. He he has a broken face. All he right? was knocked out. He, of course he has a broken face. I saw it live. He has a broken face. He had a concussion. I don't know why they feel they need to call up both of them. I Maybe Jordy, but I just don't understand why they need Flores. Moreno's a blow, especially because he seems to be the guy that they've the midfielder tasked to play defense when possible. But <laughs> I just I, I'm concerned on why Comet Ball is doing this. Uh, because Comet Ball is a crazy. They're crazy people. Let, let's start with that. They're just crazy people. Uh, for me, it's just like. CONCACAF isn't even bothering to play World Cup qualifiers this year. What makes you think this is a good idea? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Europe is... UEFA is barely playing your uh, Nations League games. That's because they don't have to travel that far. Dude, South America... Some of these countries in South America have high rates of coronavirus. Brazil has the second biggest rate of coronavirus in the world. And there and yet we're saying no, forget it. We you can risk it. You can risk it coming here. It's national pride and there's money on the line. I'm like, "No. That shouldn't be the case." If confederations are like no we're just gonna withhold from playing qualifiers and just wait till 2021 to do this when it's possibly a little more safer then maybe you should listen to the other confederations and not play this i get it you know money and all this other stuff but at the same time dude the world cup doesn't start till the till december of 2022 you got leeway this time Uh, it's just fascinating to me and calling up Edison Flores, who has a broken face, just because they're like, we want to see for ourselves. No, trust me, he has a broken face. That man's just getting out of protocol. That man couldn't see light for about a week or two. You think he's ready to play a World Cup qualifier? And not only that, risk getting coronavirus on top of re- of risking of breaking his face one more time? I don't think so. Right. I, I feel like, just to add, we're not saying that's what the coaches said. That That's just a common thing uh, national team coaches tend to do is whenever there's a player who's injured but close to coming back, they like to call them up just so that their doctors can see how bad is the injury and if it will affect them for future call-ups. 
My philosophy on that is you're going to make a player who's injured, in this case, Edison Flores, get on a plane to go to Peru to get a checkup. Like, that's absurd. Yes. Does DC you, can have a weird... a, you can use a Zoom call for that, by the way. Yeah. And look, I understand DC and I has a reputation because of previous hand injuries of not doing well with concussions and face injuries and things of that nature. But this is, I don't think the club is messing around when Ben said straight up, Edison has just got to the stadium a week ago. We're talking about legit. The last press call was Thursday of last week. You're talking about Edison Flores hasn't hadn't been at the stadium for around three and a half weeks. The man had plastic surgery. Like I said, because his face broke. Like I'm saying the way <laughs> I'm saying it in the way that Usman said at UFC because I want people to realize the man had a broken face and a concussion and we're asking him less than two months after getting his face broken, hey, why don't you go represent the, the, the national team? That's crazy. That's crazy. Peru has several talented players and, and look, I'm not even a Peruvian national team guy, but I know that they have several players in the fringes that could probably help the team better than as far as right now, because he hasn't even gone to practice. And I have to call out FIFA for this. So apparently, <laughs> I just do. The New York Times did an excellent job. If you haven't read it, New York Times really did a good job these last two uh, pieces uh, outlining MLS's attempt to push Comet Bowl to not call up their players. There are some clubs that are worried about, you know, hey, that's our best player. We're going to lose him for 18 days. This is crap. Like, I understand it. Seattle would lose one of their better players as well. And so I understand that in that case. But if the player's injured, that's where I'm upset. And that's where I'm we're, we're bothered by with Edison Flores in this case. Yes, we would lose. There's nine games, for example, in October. DC United would lose, I believe, nine between now and the end of the season. Excuse me. United would probably lose Moreno and Reyna for at least five of those games. You just got Reyna. Like, that's absurd. I, and FIFA, for the fact that they're not helping clubs and they're saying, nope, they have to, if they're called up, they have to go. And if you don't, you get punished and you'll be sanctioned and you can't participate in your league, blah, 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 blah. That's a load of crap. Like, I'm sorry. Like you're... That's funny coming from an institution that took billions of dollars from people. <laughs> I'm not even going to get to that. But I'm just saying, like, yes, FIFA has. And then that's the other thing, too. The, the Athletic is reporting that several of these MLS clubs that have players that were called up, those players don't want to go because they fear that they may be stuck in these weird protocols where they won't see their families. Cause think of it this way. If you're Edison Flores, you're single, you're probably here with like a friend or two, but you'll be probably fine in terms of, you know, your relationship. But let's say junior, junior Moreno, he just had a kid. He just had a child. Yeah, exactly. So you're asking him to leave the country, play, go on these, on a couple of practices and then this game, this World Cup qualifier that's always a week. So he'll be gone for 10 days there. When he comes back to DC, he has to do a 14 day quarantine 
in a hotel. Not his house, in a hotel. He's going to have to do a quarantine. And so he will be he won't be able to see his family for about 24 days because of one match. That's crazy. One to two matches. That's crazy. Like I, if I was a player, I'd be concerned if, especially if I'm a father or a husband or whatever, like if I have family here and I'm not able to see my family because of one or two qualifiers that can easily be rescheduled. Mind you, there's no FIFA day in December. If FIFA really wanted to, they can add a FIFA day. If FIFA really wanted to, they could just say F the friendlies going forward starting February. Every FIFA date has to be a qualifier. No Nations League, no whatever. Or if FIFA could really be even more flexible, you don't have to do the World Cup draw until the month before the tournament. You still can sell out tickets. Like, doesn't take long to sell those tickets. Let's stop acting like it takes a year to sell out World Cup tickets. You can legit sell World Cup tickets tomorrow and be sold out by the end of the month. It takes a month to sell those tickets. They're acting absurd. If I'm FIFA, be more flexible to your national teams. Make the draw instead of a year out. I mean, make it four months out or two months out. Like, seriously. These clubs, give these clubs some time to, these clubs some time to play with their players at home where they can control the quarantine situation. At the same time, give these national teams enough time to reschedule matches with their federations versus just forcing people, hey, you have to go or else I'm going to suspend you. You can't represent your national team no more. And I'll suspend your club too and they'll be sanctioned. Like, that's crazy. That's nonsensical. And for a federation that wants more money, they're really bad at trying to make money. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm just saying like this is a stupid idea to play a qualifier halfway across the world during a damn pandemic. Like it, it makes no sense. And then on top of that, FIFA's like, no, 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 you have to go. I'm like, I'm sorry, you can suspend me. I don't care how much you think this is a civic duty. We're not in the military. I want to be near my family, and we're in times of the Rona. Like, this is not gonna this is not something that's this isn't something that's worth me possibly risking my life for. And so I find it fascinating <laughs> that just one federation and of course it's the one federation that's been pretty money that's shown that's kind of money hungry over the years that wants to continue trudging on with the World Cup qualifier like nothing's happened but yeah, like giving the current climate of where the world's living in right now, I don't think it's smart. You can push these back. It doesn't really matter. Again, the World Cup doesn't start till December of 2022. You have plenty of leeway to work when it comes to qualifiers. If you suspended the World Cup qualifiers back in March that were supposed to start in March, you can suspend them now. It's not that difficult. But unfortunately, Cooler heads do not prevail at this point, and that's when you make idiotic decisions. Yeah, so each nation plays 18 matches. Again, I look, instead of focusing on trying to run your 102th annual Copa America this upcoming summer, how about that whole month you play qualifiers? How about that? I'm just saying, like the the, the and and look, Concacaf. It's going to have to really look. We know that 
they, their bread and butter, where they make the most money, is the Gold Cup. They're getting really close where they're going to have to think about, maybe we don't need to see Mexico play against Qatar. Or, eh, Martinique, USA? Uh, not helpful this year. Like, you know, this you may know, not... We could forego having Guatemala play Mexico in San Diego. I think we're fine with that. <laughs> exactly. I think I think a lot of these federations need to... They're, look, everybody's talking about how we all want to go back to normal. There is no one more normal that wants everything to go back to normal than soccer federations because their lifeblood is these qualifiers where they make the most money and tournaments where they make the most money. And my thing is this. No one can go to these games to the, in the next two weeks. You maybe want to hold off. Maybe there's a vaccine. Maybe there's something that people can take. Maybe they can then go start going back to the venues. They're not going to be able to go in two effing weeks. All the right now, I am watching Copa Libertadores games with nobody there. Nobody there. Where? How are you making also, that also, money? Right. Also, we forget. If you're calling up Neymar, if you're Brazil, Neymar just had the coronavirus. That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> like, come on, man. And look, Sarah- we're, just, we're focused here locally with MLS. We haven't talked about, and if you, again, if you are interested in this topic, the New York Times and the Athletic have covered this very well in the MLS perspective, in the Athletic, but also the worldwide perspective on the New York Times. We haven't heard the gripes yet. And we've seen European coaches when they get to those press conferences. They don't like it when they have to release somebody for a World Cup qualifier and their players either hurt or has a stupid reason why they shouldn't go. Coronavirus is a stupid reason why they shouldn't go and expect to hear something from PSG about the fact that we pay Neymar close to 30 some odd million a year. And this dope had the coronavirus, and now he's got to go across the world to the number two coronavirus hotspot in the world. Hey, let's not forget, Angel Di Maria also had the coronavirus. Several of these PSG players, South American PSG players, had the coronavirus. I'm not willing to risk it. Not over this. Again, this is ridiculous. Why, why is South America doing this? I like South American World Cup qualifiers as much as the next person, but maybe we could forego not having them this year. And you can look, all I'm going to say is this if we do have them, they're not on BN Sport like they've been in the past two World Cup cycles. They're on pay per view, all for the lovely price of $179.99. I ain't paying that. <laughs> I'd rather I could buy several things for $179.99. I'm not paying that much for a South American World Cup qualifier. Get out of here. And you didn't have to pay that to listen to this podcast, but we're tired. We're going to start heading out. So, Mario, before we head out, tell the people where they can get more information about you. Hey, if you want to hear my random musings and my platforms for running for president, quote unquote, you can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya one. You could. Uh, find my stories at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. You can follow them on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. Or if you really, really, really desperately need a physical hard copy of the newspaper, just go to your local metro station. The stands are literally right there. Most definitely. And like always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore and underscore Omana for more information and content. 
As always, special shout out to Ken McLeod for the new intro music. Remember, rate, subscribe, comment on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle on Brace for FC podcast. We will talk to you soon. Adios.